It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 708, that's 708, of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Got another excellent episode lined up for you today. Joining me as my guest is Juliana Stan Campiano. She's the CEO of Oxygen and author of a book titled Radical Outcomes, How to Create Extraordinary Teams That Get Tangible Results. And Juliana and I are going to talk about the increasing importance of continuous ongoing education versus periodic training in terms of building and enabling the sales teams of the future. Now, before we get to Juliana, I want to take a quick second to talk about the Sales House, the sales growth education program for B2B sellers. You know, I created the Sales House for one reason, to help educate sellers just like you, not to train you, but to educate you, to help you learn something new every day about how to sell with more confidence, impact, and acumen, all to help you win more deals. At the Sales House, we give you knowledge, wisdom, and advice you need to become the very best sales version of you through unlimited access to coaching, content, and a community of motivated peers who know that to learn more means to earn more. So come become the best version of you at the Sales House. Visit thesaleshouse.com. That is thesaleshouse.com forward slash join. All right, let's jump into it with my guest today, Juliana Stan Campiano. Juliana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So we are going to talk about training loosely, <laughs> training, <laughs> education, how to make people smarter and more capable, I guess, is, is maybe the better way. Help them develop. And you know, everything sort of seems to be under this umbrella of training. And I, I just find that paradigm to be misplaced, I guess, personally. And that, you know, I tend to think of training as being, well, especially increasingly in sales these days, is yes. training is just about, I'm going to teach you how to do something sort of rote and repetitive, right? So you can master yeah. the sort of thing that you do. Um, whereas education is about perspective, it's about, um, you know, knowledge, it's about wisdom, it's about uh, learning new things broadly. Um, yeah. Which to me is really how people become successful in in life and and in sales in particular. Yeah, and we just, I, uh, yeah. We just don't seem those things just don't seem to overlap at all. They don't, and it's really it's fascinating that you bring it up because I've been trying to basically take training out of everything that we create, like that word, because I think um, it's not helpful uh, how training is today for people. And I think there's a you know when you talk to people that consume training in large industries uh, or companies, mm -hmm. they have a pretty adverse reaction to it. Normally it's <laughs> not a positive one. Um, and, and so we've been using the word education as well. And we talk a lot about modernizing corporate education. Um, and I just heard the CEO, um, I think it was of Walmart talk about that. And I thought that was such a great way to kind of frame out what it is that we need to be doing moving forward versus what we've done in the past. Well, let's look at the past for a little bit because, I mean, I've, sure. I've stated this in, in things I've written. You come from a better informed source than I do about this. This is your business. But that we've all seen reports. The CEOs say there's no value in sales training, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't see an ROI on it. And yeah. I guess the question is, you know, where's the disconnect? Do they not know how to measure <laughs> and track how they get an ROI from it? Or there's just no way to measure? And well, track if there's an ROI from it. Yeah, so that's 
such a phenomenal question and and note. Um, we've done some work with VPs uh, in different organizations and uh, have had the fortune to do this with VPs that have been tasked with basically transforming sales enablement for sellers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. A lot of it hasn't been tracked. And, and I've talked to many, many people about this and I've heard many different perspectives on it. Um, I believe if you can't track it, you should just not do it mm-hmm. because then what's the value potentially. Um, and that's more of a black and white case. And you end up somewhere in the gray area with that, which I think is probably a good space to be in. Well, everybody but, thinks they should do it at that point, right? It's so if, even if they can't track it, it's like, well, you know, it's on our list. We do this once a year. Let's, as I like to joke, let's hire you know a high-priced speaker like Andy to come spend <laughs> 90 minutes with our, our team, and then we check the box for sales training for the year. Right. Yes. And then, so either check the box mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you can start to put a very different structure in place from you know how you do sales enablement so that you can track the things that you're doing. And that's a lot of the work that we've done, which takes time and it takes... Um, perseverance and it takes Mm -hmm. doing it and iterating and doing things much more quickly than we've ever done before to get them out. And it takes a lot of collaboration. And this has been a really fascinating um, part for us, especially recently, we're trying to collaborate with product marketing, offerings teams, solutions teams, in order to get sellers what they, the content that they'll actually need or use with customers to drive conversations and we see in a lot of our clients, there's it's just broken, and nobody really wants to admit it or talk about it, you know. And then you start <laughs> well, it is, seeing it is broken, like, right? And then you start seeing this like blame thing happening that's like not helpful for anybody, and nobody wants to kind of like give up their shiny objects, and so and so sellers just leave at that point, and they're like, well, if you're not going to help me, I'm just not going to pay attention, right? But isn't one of the issues, and this is from my perspective, is that Increasingly, what we're seeing, especially, and you sort of brought this up, is is we see this sort of function of sales enablement is, Mm -hmm. as a seller, I need you to serve me the right content at the right time to drive these conversations with the customers. But I'd made the point to one CEO of a sales enablement company. I said, well, knowing how to have those conversations, isn't that the job of a salesperson? Why do I need to be served on a platter (laughs) this information, especially if I'm experienced, right? If I've been in there. And so it seems like we've we've got this sort of you know conundrum is that people sort of, you know sellers sort of want to be served and we think they need to be for enabled mm-hmm. but really if we do a good job of educating them you know we give them yeah. the business acumen to be able to understand the customer's business and how they're adding value it's like well we don't really need to hand feed them like we were doing before I 100% agree that hand feed and hand feeding actually doesn't work because what one seller needs, the other seller needs to custom, you know, needs to make changes to it. So, um, 100% agree with that. I think the education that you're talking about in my mind is like sales 101 and like practice having the conversation and understand the, you know, the trajectory of how customer conversations go in your industry. And then as you grow as a seller into larger deal sizes or whatever it is, you're going to continue by having that experience. I think a lot of what we talk about creating is more like a lead sheet for like jazz music. Um, mm-hmm. I have the fortune of having a jazz musician on the on my team, <laughs> okay. you know, where it's the, it's the generic notes, but it's not telling you how to play it. Right. right. And that's a little bit of what you're talking about. And so I talk a lot about like, Hey, let's put the guardrails in place or, or create the, um, 
the structure for them that they can then go populate it themselves, whatever the thing is that they need to keep um, moving this deal forward in the progress. And let's follow that kind of bouncy ball to help. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, that's enablement versus we're going to, and we can't do this here. We're going to give you the answer. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Which is, but that's, I think, <laughs> predominantly helpful. what people think enablement is, right? I'm giving you yeah. the answer as opposed to, I like I like the metaphor of the, the lychee and the jazz is that, is this idea that every situation is the same, right? Because yeah. if we start taking this from marketing, exist. we say, okay, we've got a persona, you're going to sell to the mm-hmm. persona, here's yeah. your questions you ask, they're going to respond this way, then you do this, yeah. and then people get lost. And I, I had a, right. a, a seller reach out to me a little while ago and just saying, yeah, we've been trained out the wazoo from this method and this process, but I don't know what to do when I have to think. Right, and we think, well, you should be able to think, right? This is take for granted. You know how to think, but but where do we teach them how to think, and in the context of how to think? And and to me, this is, this is part of this. This I said this conundrum we have is that we we have training, but we're not educating people. You know, how do we educate people in the critical thinking skills? We think they come to the workforce with them, not really, right? Because they're they're all contextual for what we're doing. Yes. You know, and it it is interesting because there's not a lot of sales education happening right? In higher ed. There's some. Um, UT Dallas has a program. There's some in Chicago. That Kansas, have Kansas State University. San Diego yeah. State University so has got some. Yeah. They're all there's, uh, coming up and there's some on the, the West Coast as well. And so I think that's fabulous because over 50% of our population is in sales. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's kind of fascinating. Um, and I would hope that out of those programs, they're going to have some of those 101s and the basics. But then it's about um, engagement, right? Sales is about engaging with customers mm-hmm. and learning from customers and continuing to have the conversations. And um, and there's education along the way. And you probably had it, right? And I know I had it, but it was like on-the-job education and like, what do I need? And then trying to pull the things together that I need to, Somewhat, yeah. to keep doing that. Um, but I will tell you that my formal education and part of why I do what I do is that um, I stumbled across a more experiential way of learning and I went, oh my gosh, if my college education had been a little bit more like this, I would have learned so much more because now I'm learning how to actually apply what it is that I'm learning about so that I can go and use it on a more day-to-day basis. And I now have to practice it because I, I didn't come out of a, you know, I, I did some conversations, education, I would say back in my Microsoft days. And it was about having hard conversations. And man, it was hard to do it at first. And some of these are with clients, right? And saying that, I don't know that we can do that for you or whatever it is, which can be something that's very difficult to say to somebody. But having that education, I had an idea of kind of how to lay it out. Um, and I was super awkward at first at doing it, remember, mm-hmm. you know, trying to do it. And then through time, you get better. And now I can have sure. a pretty fierce conversation um, extremely easily. Well, but to me, I think, without getting off track on that, is is that, yeah, I think one of the, the primary problems we have is that people haven't learned the basics. And not that the basics, you don't, it's not a one and done thing, as you talk about. The basics are something you continually improve at. <laughs> yeah. And and I've, I've reduced the basics to four core skills for sellers. And I have an acronym I call BALD. And People listen to this all the time. I've heard about it, but bald is be human. Yeah. Ask great questions. Listen slowly. 
deliver value. And if you can do those four things, you can connect, you can engage people's interests, you can build trust, you can build a relationship that will lead, you know, become productive for you, actually really in business or in life. But yeah. we, don't, we don't teach these people. We don't teach sellers these things. And so what we're trying to do is like build a house without a foundation is the analogy that I use and or the metaphor I use. Is, and this, is, this continues on. Is, is there's all this emphasis on let's train people on our sales process and then send them yeah. out. And then we wonder why they just don't do a very good job connecting with the buyer, why they can't you know, run the discovery question calls they need to have or really qualify them because they haven't earned that right at the relationship level to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing it in spades. And I think it's really fascinating because we feel like we need more and more technology, like training. Mm -hmm. We call that training because I think that's training or process training. Mm -hmm. And I spent an hour with a client yesterday where he showed me a new agile process that they're working on, you know, framework. And we spent about 45 minutes and him walking me through the process. And I'm thinking, um, how are they going to get people to do this there? <laughs> you know, and, and I and he, so at the very end, he said, I have one question for you. And he said, so we have a process, but like, and, and we have all this detail, but I don't know how to get people to do it. <laughs> I was like, I was wondering the same thing. How are you going to get people to do this? Because I said this, no offense, but a process is a process is a process. Like yeah. if you want to do a new process, fine. But this shift in this process that you're asking for is, less about the process and more about the approach mm -hmm. and how somebody's going to do it. And that shift is much harder and takes a lot more time back to the education aspect. And it takes doing it and, and it takes telling people, and I gave them an example. I said in this way, and this is what I talked to my team about um, in today's world, we have to turn things around very quickly. So if you're stuck on something, you can't spend a day thinking about it. If you're stuck on something, you spend 15 or 30 minutes and then you're like, hey, so-and-so, can you help me? Mm -hmm. I'm stuck on this thing. And then what we have found is that people can very quickly unstuck, unstick other people, right? right? And so then they can keep moving and, and meet the kind of the speed that we're looking for um, to do something in a more iterative and agile nature. And those are the things that people need to be taught. That's a different way of working than what we've previously been used to. And I said, and that is the crux of making this thing that you've created work. And he was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a question for you, though. Yeah. And playing off one of the things you said is, is I think there's too much emphasis on speed when it comes to sort of like onboarding, for instance, in sales. Yeah. And it's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're just going to, if you're not ready in 90 days, the hell with you, right? And yeah. everything's geared toward this. And it's like, well, they're not really going to learn anything in 90 days. I mean, yeah, you're going to yeah. give them some stuff and they'll be able to go out and maybe begin to execute. But what's your two-year plan for this person? What's your three-year right. plan for this person? As opposed to what's your 90-day plan? And everything seems to be geared. You read all about somebody's success is all based on how well you onboard them. It's like, really? I mean, you could have crappy onboarding if the person's capable and you continue educating them. They could be great in years two, three, and four. They could be a superstar. But no, it's all about this first 90 days. Yeah. So, um, those are great points. So a, I would say what, like, what's your definition of onboarded? Like, that's the first question we'll ask people <laughs> and they'll be like, uh, you know, and we've gotten the range fully, from like, fully they, capable, right. We've gotten the range from full quota mm -hmm. right. to they have a laptop. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
what we encourage our clients is to say, you have to pick something to measure that means that somebody's onboarded. And then to your point, you know, full quota, well, that might take six plus months. So we're going to work backwards from that. That's our goal. But let's just know that people are going to need the time to get there. And this is, you know, all the stuff they need to know and do to be able to get to full quota. And that's what we'll educate towards. But, um, but know that that's going to be a longer ramp than um, we had another client that chose closing their first deal, which was on a much smaller scale. And they, they qualified it as a five dollars to $15,000 deal, which was mm-hmm. fairly small for the company. Right. And it was like, okay, we can pick that and we can um, ramp to that, which is going to be a faster timeline. But you just have to pick something to know what you mean. And also so you can tell your managers, hey, this is what we're, you know, we're trying to gear this towards and tell the sellers. So the one question we would ask about the stuff you know, that you're going through and how you're being educated is, is this helpful for you to meet the expectation of onboarding? And that's it. That's all we want to know. If it is or it isn't, then we'll we'll adjust and and change. And I think the second part of kind of what you asked about is um, we've started working in a way that yes, it's fast, but it's also very, very, very incremental. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about just making progress, not about the finished thing. So an expectation of the team, if we're going to turn something around in 24 hours, is that it's super rough. But we have something to look at. Right. But, and to talk about. Yeah. I, and I agree 100%. Right? On pro- progress, yeah. Is, as progress is a metric. But, you know, that freaks a lot of people out because that's not data-driven, right? If I can't, if I can't measure, what does progress mean? I mean, this is, uh, you know, Gartner came out with the research this last year on buyer enablement. And you know, one of the things that if people are really paying close attention to from a seller standpoint, they should sort of be concerned about is that there is sellers all have their linear stage-based processes right. they're training their sales team to, but buyers measure things in progress. Yep. And yep. <laughs> yeah, those two don't really line up. Yeah. And we've seen the same thing in um I just had a new book come out called Radical Outcomes. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we talk about is progress. And what does progress mean? And how do you talk about progress so that everybody's on the same page of what it means to make progress? And how do you? Yes. And so, you know, our definition of progress is literally saying we're going to do this thing because this is the outcome that we're driving. And it's literally just making this 5% difference on a day-to-day basis Mm -hmm. in getting towards that outcome. Um, you know, whether it's, we've got a storyboard, whether it's, we've engaged with somebody to help with this aspect of it, it can be a lot of different things, but it's that, that, you know, that outcome that you're driving towards, we're making, we're seeing shifts happen, really mm-hmm. small shifts, mm-hmm. you know, and it might be like, we got the meeting set up, we got the, you know, collaboration time set up. It's, it's all the little things. And I call, you know, those are tasks in my mind that can shift and change a lot in the process, but everything's in service of the outcome that we're driving. Is okay. So I mean, it's part of the part of the issue we're seeing though, and in, in companies still, I think, with a reluctance to really invest in education, mm-hmm. set aside training or in, incorporate in there, due to just their fear that employers are turning over so quickly that yeah, you know, I'm never going to get an ROI, ROI on this because I just need to get them in and milk them for six <laughs> to nine months and then they're off. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and and I've seen this before in some companies that yeah, I don't want to be training salespeople for my competitors. Interesting. Um, you know, I guess 
in part, that comes a little bit down to a value, Mm -hmm. right? Of what you're going to invest in people or not. Um, If we don't have people, we don't have a business. Uh, I've always been shocked at a, um, how much money companies do spend on investing in their people on the wrong Mm -hmm. stuff, Mm -hmm. which is totally shocking or the expectation that they have that they're actually going to want to go through the stuff that's created as well. (laughs) It's like so bad. Um, And then those that, and then we've been a part of these companies that we would call legacy companies now. Right. um, And working to transform different departments. Um, And it's amazing how long people that don't go through any education get so atrophied. And then it's really difficult to move the needle. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, sure. People are going to come and go, but at the same time, I, I personally believe, and I've heard from many people that have stayed at companies for a long time that in part, it's because they've been invested in to learn, to continue learning, to continue figuring things out. And they don't see that necessarily at some of the competitors. Yeah, I agree. I think that's, that would become a hallmark of a company that's, that's really growing, hitting the numbers, becoming a force in their businesses. Because if you look at sales as a profession and and just say, okay, statistics saying we've got overwhelming majority that don't make their quota year after year, variety of reasons for that. But let's just assume we – I always start categorizing. We've got this vast middle class of, of people. <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, most of them just start getting by and – yeah, they sort of do their thing, and 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 I think that we increasingly see there's sort of this demand, and I, I certainly support this, is that people invest in themselves. Yeah, you know, it's not just the company that has to make this investment, but as individuals, yeah. certainly in sales, and I'm sure in other professions as well, you have to start assuming some of the responsibility for yourself because yeah, maybe maybe what you're getting from the company is not very good, or you don't think it's very good, you don't think it's relevant, or it's just not there at all. Right. And yeah. so what are you going to do? Just stay still? I mean, there is no such thing as staying still. You're either moving ahead or falling behind. So, so I think that's why they're called legacy companies. <laughs> yeah, well, some of those, you know, for in sure. Part, they're falling behind, right? Yeah. And I think that in part, that but legacy is people that is really what we're talking about. I mean, it's, yeah. it's. And there are a lot that I've come across that it's probably surprising for somebody like you or me. I like your second aspect about the asking questions, because in my mind, that's, having a curiosity behind that, mm-hmm. you know, because there's asking questions that sound like you're not interested, <laughs> which we've all probably mm-hmm. had people do to us. Um, and then there's asking questions where you actually have a curiosity to know what the answer is. And I think there's a big nuance difference there um, between, you know, average sellers and really good sellers and, you know, going into um, different organizations I find it highly interesting and I would imagine that you do too, to understand the complexity that they mm-hmm. live in and sure. the world that they live in and how things do get done and, you know, the, the barriers to that and then the accelerators to that. And it, it, that to me is like, you know, one of the best meetings you could have is being able to uncover all these things about somebody's business. But, but curiosity that, can be trained, but I've never, yeah. I've never encountered a, a company that says, yeah, we're, Today or this week or this month or you know once every quarter we run a workshop on curiosity. Yeah, we talk a lot about questioning skills, but we don't talk about curiosity as much. I do think that curiosity is a part of the growth mindset, so it's an aspect sure. of it. Um, yeah, but it's it's not talked to yeah, talked I mean, about a lot. 
in sales these days, for the most part, if we say well, we're going to teach questioning skills, we're going to teach questions. Is exactly. What saying. Yeah. We're not teaching questioning <laughs> skills, we're teaching questions. Here's your list of open-ended and closed-ended and discovery, right. you know, you're going to get your, your whatever your sales methodology is. Right. Questions. And this gets yeah. back to an issue that, that for me is, is really central is, is, you know, companies are so afraid of investing time in teaching people. And I mean educating people, not not this rote repetitive training that you see in sales so much, is why not spend, why not invest? And I've, I've got a program I run for companies. It's a book club. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'll talk with them. We'll come up with a list of 10 books that they're going to read over a 12-month period. Yep. Stipulation is, though, they have to set aside time during the workday for people to read. Mm-hmm. It's not at night. 20 minutes during the day. <laughs> everybody stops. They read the book. Actually, it's read 15, journal on five, what you just read. And, you know, it's transformative because well, most people haven't read a book about their profession at all, most people. Um, and suddenly in a concentrated period of time, they're reading lots of books that are relative to what they're doing, relevant to what they're doing, and they learn so much. And then they get hooked on learning. I want to learn more. And so this idea, But the biggest pushback I get from VPs is, I don't have time for that. We can't take time out of our day to 20 minutes to, and it's like, <laughs> to me, it's so blindingly self-obvious. It's, yeah, obviously I don't say that to them, but it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Of course you, for your sales reps are only spending a third of their time actually talking to prospects. You got plenty of time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think to your point, it's the, what's the impact of this time going to be? And and maybe not today or tomorrow, but in six months or a year or two years. Retention, people are being promotability, yeah. all these things. Yeah, it, you know, and it's interesting. Like I myself joined a book club a few years ago, and um, and absolutely love it because I'm reading things that I wouldn't have picked up. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, I probably do this a lot where we pick up lots of books and we read lots of things about our industries, and I have found some of the best books that we've read, like totally out of the realm of anything I would have ever picked sure. up, sure. you know, and, and then it just broadens your mind to a, a whole different kind of landscape. And I think that's a fascinating part that I, you know, just wanted. Well, no, but I think that's part of this it. education that I'm talking about is, right. is that why, why shouldn't companies say, look, we're going to spend 20 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day teaching you stuff. And it's not necessarily, you know, just vocational oriented stuff, Right. I mean, right. for me, for me, the key in my success in my career has been that I read widely about everything. So yeah. I mean, when I'm in situations mm-hmm. which you can't predict in advance, and I've sold on six of the seven continents, everything but Antarctica and so on, it's like I've got a way to engage with people. I know stuff. You know, some of it, my wife accuses me, is completely useless crap that fills my head. But <laughs> yeah, but but it it has some of it comes up has a value, and you're totally. just to relate to somebody, and we, yeah. we're not. Setting, making it easy for people to do this because we just can't assume that somebody's motivated to do it. Yeah, I think you, you know, sort of let them taste it, and then people become motivated and and say, "Yeah, I want to keep on doing this." But this this part really, like I said, I, this concerns me is we're not because this is really what we need in sales and everything, and and you don't see companies investing in. It. I see very few. I see small some small companies doing this, but not not bigger companies. Yeah, you know, I think um, one company that we've been able to work with a lot is Microsoft over the years. Mm-hmm. And with the leadership shift to Satya, this became a big part of the culture 
that he was moving towards. And I think we've probably all seen the articles about moving from a notable culture to a learned all culture. Mm-hmm. And this is in part what he's been working to try to implement with the workforce is let's just go out and be curious and let's look, you know, at places that we maybe didn't look before. And instead of trying to have the answer for everything, let's, you know, try to be interested in what the potential solution is. Right. Um, and, and so he's in, you know, so interestingly too, like Microsoft was on one of the, it was in the top 10 revenue in 2008 and they're the only top company that's there today. In fact, mm-hmm. they keep bumping back up to one and two and, right. you know, back and forth. So I keep waiting for somebody to do the case study on that shift in leadership and culture that he's been driving, um, which has had such a huge revenue impact as well. Um, and he's done a lot of changes to their sales, you know, force and whatnot in the years since he's become CEO. Well, I think part of this learning too, and this is getting back to what we were talking about a little bit, the training early on is that, which I've, again, people listen to the show a lot, probably tired of me hearing or tired of hearing me say this is that, is that, you know, for me, so the irony of a lot of what we're seeing in, in the technology industry these days is you know, here are companies that are created with these great missions to disrupt markets and they use the most rigid compliance conformity based selling processes training <laughs> totally. processes and so on <laughs> i know and and what i think we've we've missed in this and i'm concerned that sort of from a generational standpoint this current generation of sellers is missing this opportunity to go out and really develop their unique strengths and skills, which come from the education, not from the training, right? Some of it's on the job, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna feed you some knowledge and then you're gonna go put it to use and you're gonna expand and give you the freedom as a manager to develop this. And back to our point about being too scripted and so on, this this is a, the biggest area of concern to me is is I see too few managers really to start with saying, yeah, I feel comfortable letting people fail at this because yeah, I'm feeling such pressure to make my number. I just can't yeah. give them the leash to go do that. Yep. Yeah. I think, um, so I think what you brought up is a huge systemic issue mm-hmm. <laughs> that is rooted probably somewhere, um, further way up the line. And I, I've wondered about this actually a lot recently as well, you know, especially so got into a conversation with somebody about VC back companies versus, you know, cash basis. Mm-hmm companies and bootstrapping a company. And, you know, to a point you brought up, I think a lot of them that are VC backed and uh, the number one thing that they have to then go do once you take on funding is sell as much as possible. And so one company I was talking to recently is in this position and two thirds of their workforce are sellers. And that Mm -hmm. is just, you know, it's a lot of the companies that are in the same situation, have a similar makeup and, um, you know, those people are spamming my inbox. I can tell you, you know, <laughs> and, and they're, the, they're, don't get me started. Yeah. I mean, right. it's, but it's like the, you know, the pressures coming from way up top and probably even beyond and potentially from the people that are backing these companies and investing their money in it and they want to see a return. And so you, they need to sell as much as possible. So to your point, like making money in spite of themselves to a point. Um, and yeah, well, I think even some of those companies though, Progress would be great, right? I mean, they. I think the investors, having worked in eight different VC-backed startups, I mean, progress would be great. I mean, yeah, you want some. There's certain milestones and stuff you need to hit, but yeah. But um, 
you know, we've we've got this influx of of technologies and automation mm-hmm. into into sales, which drives um, or perpetuates, let's say, bad sales behaviors. Now, because now we can automate it. To your point about the you're spamming yes. on your inbox, right? Yes, we've made it so much easier to do that, and we've all we're all suffering from that. And and there are some companies that we aren't doing great with that and yeah. succeeding really in spite of it, not because of it. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be a day of reckoning. And again, this is one of my concerns is that, yeah, we get to this day of reckoning where, where people just don't know how to sell anymore. And, and I think that if you've ever read Jeffrey Colvin on his book, Humans Are Underrated, mm-hmm. does a fabulous job sort of laying out that one of the artifacts of increasing our levels of automation and technology in the selling arena is going to be that your key differentiator is your ability to be human. Yeah. Yeah. There's another book, um, Team Human. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're not, which is similar. Yeah. Right. So if we're not educating people how to do this and continually reinforcing it and giving them the the latitude to develop their humanity in the way they sell, you know, again, I I fear that that, um, a lot of companies are really going to stumble because of that. Well, yeah, so it's, I a hundred percent agree. And it's, it's kind of interesting. I've, um, <laughs> as a mother of kids have actually been pushing the human side because I think that's going to be the differentiator by the time my kids are mm-hmm. in the workforce is, can you make eye contact with somebody and can you, you know, hold a conversation and, um, and build rapport, right? Some of the basics <laughs> are going to well, be like, put them way ahead of, yeah. you know, a lot of the other kids. So we've been working on that a lot. And, and but these are, I, and I'll just, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. these are old fashioned skills. I mean, when I was a kid and I'm older than most people listening to this is that was, uh, yeah, this point of pride with my parents. Yeah. My kids shake hands. They look in the eye. They can hold a conversation. Mm-hmm. And my kids were pretty adept at that as well. But I mean, it, yeah. it certainly has not been sort of the norm. No. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's huge. Well, and I think to your point, I, I spoke to a lady who's the seller the other day. I had done a um, a webinar within a large company, and my part of it was to talk about authenticity and social mm. selling. And she set up time with me right afterwards and asked if I could help her. And I said, sure. So, um, it, you know, you're probably similar. It's great to work directly with salespeople because you get to hear on the mm. ground what's happening and what the challenges are. And she said, I have been put into a new role. I have to do, you know, reach out and I have to introduce myself and I need to start engagement and I'm responsible for the engagement of our customers and I need to do it primarily in a social manner. And so she read me kind of her, you know, introduction email and I was like, it sounds like every other email that I get. So let's work on it, you know, (laughs) like let's bring you into this conversation. Like, you know, and I think we've become these, um, you know, selling robots is kind of what I've been yeah. talking about or learning robots. Like it can happen the same way where like all the learning stuff or the training that's created is like so cheesy and it's condescending and it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do we take a tone, a different tone, right? And not the tone <laughs> that and that we're probably also used to with, where it's like, hey, I'm going to set up a meeting on your calendar because that's like not helpful either. Mm-hmm. But it's this humanistic tone of... Hey, you know, I'm new to your account and I've been moved into this new position and I'd really like to get 10 minutes and just understand a little bit more about who you are, mm-hmm. not about what we're doing for you, not about any of these other things, but you as a person, you know, and so we talk tracked it and we, 
we, you know, kind of role played it back and forth for about an hour of different approaches she could take. Right. Um, and she sent me some follow-up of just like, wow, this was so helpful for me. Um, you know, and in, in that sense, we're doing our part in the education stream and also bringing in more of the human side, which I think is lacking greatly. Um, yeah, I mean, no argument for me on that. I mean, that's whole thing I'm doing right now with our, our venture. The sales house is all about, yeah, bringing more humanity back into sales and these human soft skills, you know, that LinkedIn did a survey of, of, yeah. I don't know, people, you know, new Lots in the workforce within the 10 year, first 10 years of their career, not necessarily to label millennials or whatever, but, but yeah, 75, I think it's 70, roughly 75% thought the way they're going to succeed in their life was mastering hard skills. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah, I know it's going to be a complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> FYI. You can think that now, but it is. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you from, and life hasn't changed. It's going to be yeah. the opposite. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. There's a balance there, right? And it's it's not one or the other. You have to have some of both. And we're just aired so hard on the skills side right yeah. now. It seems um, like it for sure. So, that's what we're trying to do is help, help people with the other because, yeah, that is your key differentiator. And that is what, my experience has been over decades of selling is, yeah, it's always been my ability as a human that set me apart, not anything I knew specifically. Right. You can always go learn something. <laughs> exactly. Because, right? because you're, you know, you're going to go through 10 different careers, you know, the average person, right? I, I've, hell, I've, I've been through that many. And I, that's, so, yeah, I'm old enough to remember when people used to criticize us for not spending long enough at a company uh, when we went on yeah. job interviews. Yeah. <laughs> to where, before I started my own company, 18, 19 years ago, when on an interview for VC back company VP of Sales, and they were criticizing me for being too long at my last company. So yeah. I've seen the whole cycle. Nice, and it's like. You know, I know. You I looked get, at my own LinkedIn profile the other day, and I was like, "Whoa! I've had my business for oh, that's awful. I've been here like way too long." <laughs> well, but even within my own business, though, it's, I've reinvented what I've done yeah, a handful of I times. Feel so, the same. Yeah, so, multiple times, right? But that's it, what it people have to be. Yeah, but people have to know that's what they're going to face in their careers. Yeah, and the only way to do that is to keep learning, keep educating yourself, and and I I always use this quote from Thomas Huxley, who is I think Aldous Huxley's cousin, or you know. I, Brave New World, and um, but a British author, philosopher in the late 19th century, who said, you know, in life you should try to learn uh, something about everything and everything about something. I think it's just such a great watchword for us. Is, you know, the, everything that we should know something about is sales. Yeah. And we should be as interested and curious about the world in general because it's going to help us in some way. Absolutely. And I mean, we're all sellers in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And I know my kids are good at it. <laughs> they try, <laughs> you know, they're, they're learning their own skills, but you know, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a nurse or whether you're any role, we all have to sell something to somebody. Yeah, uh, influence as Dan Pink talked about and to sell as human. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're all, we all have some responsibility for influence in our, in our lives. And it's always been Absolutely. less. And, Perhaps increasingly so. All right. Well, Juliana, yeah. it's been great to speak with you. Um, how can people find out more about you and connect with you? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Juliana Stan Campiano, uh, Twitter, Jay Stan Campiano, um, oxygenexp.com is the website, and ox- also for Twitter and LinkedIn as well, oxygenexp. Excellent. Well, good. Well, I look forward to doing this again. This was great. Yeah. I appreciate thanks. it. All right. 
Okay, friends, that was Accelerate for the week. First of all, as always, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to thank my guest, Juliana Stan Campiano. Join me again next week as my guest will be Larry Levine. He's a sales coach, podcaster, and Amazon bestselling author of Selling from the Heart, How Your Authentic Self Sells You. And we're going to be talking about the importance of selling from the heart, selling with emotion, selling as an authentic you. So uh, be sure to join us then. Before you go, don't forget to check out The Sales House, the all-in-one sales growth engine for B2B sellers just like you. Make sure you visit thesaleshouse.com. So thanks again for joining me. Until next week, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.